Previously, there were, like, the trash bunnies, you know, that would be on the grass behind the dumpster. Um, but now the bunnies have, like, been emboldened to hang out on this, like, bigger strip of grass. But these bunnies do not give a fuck that my dog is there and, like, whatever. Like, I'm not moving until you get close enough to where I could actually be a risk. I, I mean, I don't want her to kill any bunnies. And... to the Fargon Conclusion podcast covering every episode of the FX TV show Fargo. My name is Tiffany. And I'm Cody, and this week we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 4, Eating the Blame. So Cody, what would you do with a briefcase full of money that you found on the side of the road? Like we were saying, I probably wouldn't go the supermarket route, probably more so the car wash route, opening a bunch of car washes. Everybody needs a car wash. It's a nice and easy business. It's what Walter White did. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in California that would probably work out well for you. I feel like car washes aren't quite as popular in, in the snow other locations. But supermarkets are necessary in every part of the world. So Seems like a lot of shit to deal with though, you know. All those vendors. If you're if you're doing doing crimes, you know, you wanna have <laughs> plausible like reasons to be in different areas doing the crimes but you're right um tom actually made me watch a video on like grocery store logistics of like how to get things stocked (laughs) in supermarkets and it's crazy how how much work has to go into that in the like distribution centers and wait why were you guys watching this because Tom likes weird stuff, and he made me watch it. He he's been trying to get me to watch it for like weeks, and I was like, that doesn't what? sound interesting to me at all. But I was I was forced into it. I think I, it was like a quid pro quo kind of situation where what a dork. he did something I wanted. Oh, you have no idea. Can you give him a wedgie for me later? Maybe a swirly. I will, I will do my best. Put him, throw him in a trash can. So yeah, I mean. A, a grocery store, like a supermarket, does actually seem like it would be quite a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. Compared with other other things, so I think you're right. I think that you've Car got wash. yeah, so much you've easier. Got one up on Stavros. <laughs> he he did not make the most of this. Well, I mean, he does. He does make the most of it. He is the supermarket king. Is so nice. Mm-hmm. That indoor swimming pool. Hell yeah. Like, um, Living it up while he's going down. Okay. All right. So before we get into more discussion about Stavros's beautiful home, mm-hmm. uh, let's start with some episode details. This episode aired on May 6, 2014. This was written by Noah Hawley. So far, all Noah Hawley. Still mm-hmm. curious to find out if anyone else is going to jump in. On this, I feel like it's kind of rare that a show is only written by one person. Yeah. Usually there's more of a team. Uh, I'm sure he has a team, but no one else is getting episode credits. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, and directed by Randall Einhorn, who was our director from last week. 
And he only directs one more episode. I believe it's a season two episode, but mm. little, it seems like they're just kind of cycling through directors for now. And maybe we won't get a more consistent director, Yeah, which maybe works with having a very consistent writer in, in the showrunner to vary things up with the, with the director, but we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like Noah Hawley just really, I think with this, he's obviously a fan of the movie, at least for the first season, just had a vision and wanted to create it his way. Maybe that's why he's right. He is the main writer on everything. Yeah. And maybe, maybe it will vary more. I could see it being really fun if other people get to take more charge in the storytelling in future seasons where it's like, maybe this is his vision and he's kind of heading it and then other people get to influence these kind of standalone seasons to some extent and the subsequent seasons are are really cool too just because they are in the same universe but it is they're very different stories you get really different characters and dynamics so oh i can't wait there's some characters in the anyway (laughs) (laughs) this is the best like this is all just like you this convincing me to watch more. Oh my god! This yeah no, it's, just, it's so much fun being able to actually like dive into these things with somebody and just knowing what's coming and you don't. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> I will say that for this this episode, I remembered previously seeing a lot of these things and having no idea what they were. Mm. I remember the opening with with Stavros finding the money, and it meant nothing to me because I hadn't seen any other part of the show. Um, definitely them leaving the diner and kidnapping lester and again that didn't mean anything to me and i th- i even saw the the crick i'm sure they're crickets right i know yes. it's like supposed to be locusts as the but yeah it's crickets but uh and i remember watching seeing that ending scene and not really getting <laughs> why like it mattered in in a such a poignant way so definitely fun to fill in a lot of gaps and be like oh i remember this but now now it feels like it all all makes sense which is how i think tv's supposed to work right you gotta like watch (laughs) from the beginning to to understand what's happening unless you're watching friends or seinfeld yes (laughs) then you could just jump on it (laughs) or serialized television yeah you ready to jump into our breakdown absolutely and wow what a surprise we open on a snowy icy road this road seems so much snowier than (laughs) previous roads like yeah this one is like there are no snow plows going out and Mm -mm. plowing these roads because previously you see the road very distinctly from the snow but this one was just like yeah, here's a, a, a snowier path that you can drive your car on that's different from this. And not a good place to run out of gas on. <laughs> yes. Um, I do have a question for you as a as a fellow California native. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your... How do you feel about snow? What's your experience with snow? Um, I love it. I mean... You know, it's nice being able to go to the snow, but not having to deal with the snow. Mm-hmm. Like, I, when I had my truck, I had snow tires for it, and we would go up to uh, snow chains, not snow tires. Excuse me. Um, and we would go to, go up to, like, Idlewild. We would go to Mount Palomar and stuff like that. 
mm-hmm. and you know rent cabins in the winter but yeah it's i i don't think i'd want to deal with it on a day-to-day basis <laughs> yeah there's such a difference in anyone who can say go to the snow mm-hmm. compared with people who just the snow comes to you and you gotta deal with it no matter what but so whenever it snows in seattle like once maybe two times a, a winter really and yeah and no i mean sometimes we get like multiple days of it or like a week but then it just melts away hmm. um but i always get super excited i'm just like taking a million photos of the snow and they're all the exact same photo but i'm just so excited <laughs> well the weather but it's also is frightful but, Sorry. <laughs> definitely, it's definitely a bitch to deal with, like, and cars get stuck in it. I, it seems like it's pretty flat in these areas yeah, gosh, where it's, it's, the show is taking place. Yeah, the north, but, the north middle part of the country, I mean, just Jesus, that's got to be so tough. Having to dig out yeah. your car in the morning, you know, before you even pull out of the yeah. driveway. Ugh. Uh, there's an interesting thing here where uh, they're doing the... the intro you know role where it says these events take place in 2006 but they do that mid flashback which is odd but um we're seeing the snowy icy road and stavros and his family is driving down the road they're discussing money issues of course as he runs out of gas in the middle of nowhere during their fight he jumps out of the out of the car and tries to flag down a truck who just uh, honks at him, and the draft from the truck blows him face down on the ground, and he prays for gas and a warm bed, and asks for, I think he asks to prosper in the smallest ways, and he says, he'll be your humble servant for the rest of my days. (laughs) Oh, and he looks to the left to see a window scraper sticking out of the snow by a property line. And this is, of course, uh, this is the connection to the movie. Because this is where Steve Buscemi's character in the movie drives away with the ransom money, and he decides to bury it in the snowbank, marking it with a window scraper. But yeah, so we get uh, Stavros going over. He starts digging with the scraper, and there's he sees some blood in the snow. What, uh, so what, what were you saying about the actors who played younger Milo's family? Um, yeah, um, the they're different actors, obviously. Um. I didn't recognize the man playing young Stavros. His name's Carlos Diaz. But the actress, Eve Harlow, looked familiar. I think I've only seen her in Unreal, which is an excellent fictionalized version of The Bachelor. (laughs) But that guy really does look like a young Oliver Platt. I just really felt like his... I felt like his voice didn't carry the same gravitas. And I know that you could, you know, say that that's an evolution of this person becoming, like... The the, supermarket king? (laughs) The supermarket king. But it just didn't quite feel right, especially when you compare... When I was comparing the lines, God Hmm. is real. It just felt, I don't know, very different. (laughs) I, I don't know. They look alike. I just didn't feel like his his performance, his like vocal performance, matched as well. Hmm. Definitely, it, the face is uh, like I, I honestly thought when I first watched it, I thought it was just Oliver Platt with like some makeup on. <laughs> but 
then this on this rewatch, I was like, oh yeah, that is a different person. So and the wife is definitely a different person. They didn't really yeah. put as much effort. <laughs> I <laughs> I was almost wondering if the wife was like a a first wife or his you know someone different than than the later wife, and then it's like, oh well, I guess that that is supposed to be the same person, but I don't really see any. Interesting fact, though, they, uh, the the child in the back seat is played by the same person who plays Dimitri in the later episodes. They just used a... Is that CGI? <laughs> yeah, it's all CGI. <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he so he digs out the suitcase, and which is pretty fucking... Mar- like, I would believe in God after this. 100%. Praying, laying face down in the middle of the road, and then you just find millions of dollars. <laughs> And he re-enters the car. The wife complains about the trucker as as Stavros just praises God. Which, of course, right? You'd be a Christian immediately, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I mean... You. It definitely... I don't know, it's hard to say what would turn me into a believer. But... If you I sa- guess... If you said a prayer... And then immediately looked to your left and found millions of dollars. I don't Come know. <laughs> I, I mean, there was blood involved in that. I think I would assume that there was... The blood of Christ! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus just bled a little on this uh, miracle that he... Take your communion. But yeah, you're right. I think that it's... Definitely more than enough to convince uh, Stavros. Although he kind of falls, obviously, by the wayside, going down the line. And so let's let's cut to modern day where Don Chumpf is doing a great acting job as a plumber, and he's inspecting Stavros's piping for the blood situation. He he's a really bad liar. I was impressed with all of the the branded materials for this plumbing company. He's got the hat, the jumpsuit, and the car. Yeah, the van. Yeah, with the. And I wrap. just am curious. Like I hope that they just stole this from someone otherwise that seems like an excessive amount of (laughs) money to put into disguises maybe lauren has a situation you know maybe he kind of paid off the company to take this call and install the good old glenn howerton to be the plumber and we get our first i don't remember in the past three seasons or seasons the past three episodes if anyone said oofda before but we get (laughs) few good oof does in this episode yeah i noted those <laughs> so yeah as don chump says there's no signs of the what's the um right hand man's name shamenko or something like that shamenko shamenko yeah one of those things and he asks if there's any signs of tampering screws loosened recently or holes that blood could have been injected and don chump you know just kind of writes him off as crazy we he see- does i mean he's a bad liar but i think he he does better than expected here. Yeah, he kills it in this scene. He, it, I feel like this is um, him on, like, a most improved, you know, from previous <laughs> shenanigans. He's actually learning how to be semi-competent at this. For now. He's no Lorne Malvo, but he's... Following instructions. He's not, well. he's not leaving bronzer on paper anymore, you know, on yeah. his blackmail notes. He's taking instruction well. We see Stavros take another pill, which, good thing he's sticking with those. And as Don's yeah. uh, leaving, you know, he asks for certificates to the store. And 
tell, he's told to get the hell out of there. And he says, you ever read the Bible? The, the Bible, the big book. And God sent a plague of blood upon the land and tells Stavros that he better get right with the Lord, at which point Stavros threatens and chokes the plumber. <laughs> I really expected him to get thrown into that the pool? beautiful indoor swimming pool, which, you know, like, bronzer would have been, like, floating <laughs> off, of, off of him. Oh, why didn't they do that? That would have been so good. Mm. Damn. They missed it. Noah Hawley, hit me up. Yeah. I got ideas. <laughs> get Tiffany right season five. That would have been so good. But then, yeah, Samenko ends up stopping him. But the, uh, the idea is planted in his head, which I think this whole thing is a ruse for that he's Don, like Lauren sends Don in to make sure that Stavros thinks this is a biblical thing this is done really well mm -hmm. throughout the throughout the season with you know there's a lot of ways to fuck with someone and <laughs> I don't know I just feel like this is nice and subtle especially with the addition of the the drugs yeah I don't know if that's going to be um it's going to serve like a more specific purpose later on but I think it all just adds to him having these weird things that he can't explain and it's just like i don't know does lord doesn't know specifically how he got that money right like no he couldn't right i don't think anybody does right now but it's it feels so perfect like to to kind of analog what happened to him yeah in getting that money and how he might feel a certain amount of guilt or obligation with that money because it's so connected to his sense of religion. So it's just mm -hmm. such a good, good way to fuck with someone. <laughs> and I love exploring it. And Don is actually kind of subtle with this. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not, he drops that idea. He's not, like, pushing it, which... You know, Don would have probably been way worse without yeah. some Lorne Malvo instruction here. Coaching. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a sense of obligation on Stavros's part, and the drugs. It is just to I I think it's to heighten the intensity of it all. You know, that's why he's putting him on crazy ass. You know, basically meth. <laughs> well, I I could definitely see a point where he I don't know like has some type of physical like fainting or or mm. something that could also be helpful to him or but but so far it's adding to it we see more of that impact later yeah and so as chump is leaving he sees sta uh, lauren standing in the trees and we get our christmas bells we cut to a uh, gus I, I actually heard it this time yeah that's i feel right. like i hadn't we got, <laughs> previously, a, we got a few so. this episode we got a few christmas bells coming and uh, we cut to uh, Gus Grimley. He's leaving a diner as Dispatch calls him, and he spills his drink on the ground. And he's called to, to actually investigate Stavros's murdered dog. And uh, in the dispatch call, he accidentally insults the animal control officer's leukemia, which is pretty funny. Yeah, I also like his question about, like, is it considered a murder <laughs> when it's a dog? And my answer is yes. <laughs> It would be a murder in in my world. You want it to be solved with capital punishment? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm against it in all other instances, but when it comes to... Dogs. Yeah. You go ahead and die, you bad person. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he's driving over to Stavros' house, he's looking for address numbers, and as he's looking, he spots Lorne and recognizes him by the neighborhood mailboxes as the uh, plumbing van pulls away. And he immediately starts to, like, freak out, and he pulls his gun and tells Lorne... He gets out of the car, pulls his gun, tells Lorne to freeze, and Lorne immediately makes a phone call. And all he says... I just have a, a quick question for you, quick, yep. like, hypothetical. What would you do if you saw this dude that threatened you as, as a police officer on the side of the road? I mean, I think this is the appropriate response. Because, I mean... You wouldn't say, I think that looks kind of like Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, damn it. You set me up for my own thing. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> you know what I would say? Hold on. I'm going to cut all that out. You know what I would say? <laughs> you know what I would say? Is that Billy Bob Thornton? <laughs> damn it. I can't believe you got me. <laughs> I know. That was so rude. I put it in my notes. I was like, we're going to do it right here. Fuck. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> on the phone call, all uh, Lauren says is, um, this is Duluth, package requested, Frank Peterson. He puts down the phone, Gus actually makes him drop it on the ground. He says, are you Billy Bob Thornton? <laughs> <laughs> he arrests him, you know, turn around, put your hands on your head. What's all that, what's this all about, officer? And he immediately adopts like this silly accent. Actually, I don't know if he does at this point, but I know he does eventually. Yeah. He definitely changes his demeanor. Oh, man. Yes. And Gus nervously handcuffs him. But he, uh, when Lauren asks what it's about, he can't come up with a charge. He says he'll figure it out at the station. Yeah. Like, on what charge? Very, like, calmly. And he's like, eh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We'll figure it out at the station. And as they're driving, Lauren tells Gus he's making a mistake. And he says, that's what you're going to be saying. That's what you're going to say in a couple hours from now. You're making a mistake. And I was so intrigued by this. I was like, how is this going to come back? And so then cold. it like blindsided me when it actually came up. Really? That's awesome. Yeah. I was just like, oh, Isn't that good writing? Is. Yeah, that's such good yeah. writing. At the, once they get to the station, the receiving officer makes fun of Gus's animal control position and sets down his glasses. And Gus, Gus tells him that Lauren is wanted for the homicides and the car theft in Bemidji. And this is this. I think this is where Lauren first really takes on the crazy affect of the... North Dakota. <laughs> yeah, I actually was curious where he got the glasses. Like, I thought so maybe quick. he had pulled them out of his, like, pocket or something. But he really does just put together this persona all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, straight up does. Like, he, he moves his hair a little bit to the side so he looks a little dorkier. And he puts on the, the receiving officer's glasses. And he says, "Is arrest? Oh, this it's a boondoggle. <laughs> Which is a great word, boondoggle. And the dork glasses uh, on his face, He's he puts them on as he's being fingerprinted by the receiving officer. Yeah, and his line here, um, after he gets threatened to <laughs> cooperate, otherwise he will get his fingers broken, which I don't think is the way a police officer should be handling their, <laughs> their suspects. But anyway... Uh, Okay, message received, young fella. You won't get no pushback from me. This is great. He plays a great dork. Yeah. From there, we cut to a Molly staring intently at Lester's folder. And I I don't remember if this comes up again. She goes on her computer and a bunch of photos of an Asian woman in a bikini holding a fish pop up. <laughs> I yes. I, I wrote it down. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more, more prevalent. My, I guess guess or curiosity (laughs) 
is that maybe this was someone else's computer previously. And my guess is that it is Bill's computer because he has that fish, <laughs> is a fish. on his on his wall behind him. Oh, like she got and, yeah, she got Bill's desk when he got promoted. Yeah, and <laughs> and he just has Asian women holding fish on. That seems like something that he would be into, but I have no no further evidence of this. Unless I'm misremembering, I don't think this ever comes up again. I'm not sure they ever explain it, or I think it's just a thing that happened. <laughs> but cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and I was just curious, like, is this a, a virus? Or were the photos just, they seem like they were They're popping up in rapid su- succession. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know if don't she either. accidentally hit the command to open all the photos in the, like the a, fish folder. Has, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he has a shortcut to open all of them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, and, and so at that point she closes all of them and we, she gets Lester Nygaard's phone dump via email. But before she even looks at it, she gets a call from Gus saying he caught the guy. And, um... Gus says the lieutenant's going to have a chat with him. Molly packs up and says she'll be there as soon as she can. Meanwhile, Chief Fuckface is instructing some officers on how they'll handle the coming snowstorm. They have a really cute, uh, you know, (laughs) presentation board put together about the snowstorm. (laughs) You got to have the the maps. They don't really mean a whole lot if they're not moving, I think. Yeah, and just like... (laughs) Oh, God. What a dork. I guess. And Molly comes in. And he's just, yeah, like, oh, let's not, like, this shouldn't interrupt anything, which seems like a bad omen of, like, oh, you're not going to take this seriously. And yeah. Yeah, And bad shit's about to go down because you're like, oh. And he's telling the officers that they can make extra money snow plowing during. So that's a good use of their time. Um, But uh, when Molly comes in, she has to go to Duluth and, uh, Shitballs questions why an officer from Duluth called Molly, who was off the case, and then saying he should instead call the officer in charge, which is Bill. Yeah. And uh, seems a little offended by it, and fucking Bill decides to drive up and see the suspect instead of Molly. You know, when this happened, I was like, oh, I really want to see Lorne and Bill face off because I just like i could picture lorne eating him alive like (laughs) but he doesn't even have to he he doesn't interact and he wouldn't but like i just would have liked to see the the competency level go head to head yeah no he just feels the worst he literally is the worst police officer that's ever happened in this show (laughs) Like, I think he would compliment him, and then, you know, he'd say, like, something nice, and then be like, okay, yeah, I think this guy's good. Like, mm-hmm. let's just let him go. Like, And God, that's pretty much where we're going. <laughs> um, he leaves Knudsen in charge, who I thought, I didn't realize it on my first watch. Uh, Knudsen is actually played by Gary Valentine, who <laughs> I remember the 90s had a comedy central half hour that I loved. He was so funny as a stand-up comedian. And he's actually a Kevin James's brother, mm, which is I see interesting. That resemblance. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's Gary Valentine. And he, you know, he was a he was a regular on a 
King of Queens. King of Queens. He's in like all all of his <laughs> movies. It seems like. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he he just and he's in all like the Happy Madison movies that Adam Sandler produces. But anyway, I like Gary Valentine. I'm glad he's in the show. There's a new character we didn't write in. I think this was his first episode. <laughs> oh yeah, and he has he has a few more. Yeah. And um, honestly, I think if Molly had worded what she said better to Bill, she would have been going there. Oh, uh, you know, he was he was in a movie called The Dog Who Saved Summer. Oh yeah, Joey Diaz is in all those. There's like a million of those. The Dog Who Saved Christmas, The Dog Who Saved New Year's. Oh, uh, <laughs> it's a cute little like little lab. I'm. I'll have to do some more research and once get we, back to you once, on. Once we finish all the seasons of Fargo, we're going to go run through the dog who saved blah, blah, blah movies. But if I, I honestly think if Molly would have said the suspect from the video, uh, from the, you know, the security camera video uh, involved, you know, like a, about the car accident, the frozen guy, instead of having it direct, instead of saying it was connected to the murders, she would have been gone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Molly, I mean, you she's idiot. also... She, you know, she got MVP for me last week. I hyped her up so much for just excellent, excellent work. But I, every time she comes encounter with Bill, she just is not processing how much he is out to undermine her. Always. All he wants like, to do is not do, make sure she doesn't do her job right. And she's sitting out there, you know, in the, not Maybe the bullpen, I don't know. Um, open area. That's the word. You looking looking at a folder with Lester's face on the back <laughs> when she's been explicitly told not to investigate this. Like, come on, Molly. I'm surprised he didn't come over. Like, he could have easily spotted that photo from his office that's just, you know, like open with all the glass <laughs> windows. <laughs> so she's really not being not being smart about how to deal with this deal with bill pretty terrible much terrible boss yeah <laughs> and from there we go to um lester and his brother show up at the house lester's house and, lester's uh, brother is being so nice to him now yeah i guess it's you kind of have to right i mean i don't think this guy has to be nice ever but <laughs> he was so awful and mean to him uh, that first episode in that first episode and now he's just but i guess i don't know he was always willing to just hang out yeah but it's just it's nice that he he could be kicking lester while he's down and he's not <laughs> um so oh boy yeah <laughs> Lester just walks, you know, walks in the house with him, and there's Vern's blood is still on the ground. Lester just walks by like it's nothing because I mean he's so used to it at this point. But meanwhile, Chaz is like shocked by it, and they talk about how, uh, you know, the, the the police left him a number for the cleanup service, but Lester just never got around to calling him. Have you seen the movie Sunshine Cleaning? Yeah, I have it on DVD. <laughs> Good movie. I think it's such an interesting niche in the the business like in that cleaning world my so just clean up after my dad was a carpet cleaner uh, most of his <laughs> life and there he uh, he's told me a few times like because there's there really isn't a protocol like there are services that do that but there was a few times when like 
you know, my dad worked in the South Bay here in uh, L.A. County. And there was a few times when, like, it was just a motel that didn't have the money for that. So they would just call my dad, who was a crackhead <laughs> carpet cleaner. And they would just be like, hey, somebody blew his brains out in one of our rooms. Will you come clean it up? And he was literally, he would just go in there. There's just blood and brains on the ground. And he just sucked it up with his vacuum, with his carpet cleaning machine. <laughs> Wild. Would you, I mean... I would I would constantly be worried if the like police weren't involved that I was like cleaning up a crime scene before it could be <laughs> investigated. Like, yeah, that is scary. <laughs> uh, like I don't know. I would just feel like a lot more responsible for. Does everyone know what happened here? <laughs> like, <laughs> is is there a murderer on the loose who's gonna come for me next? Oh God! Like you know something, so I got to take you out. <laughs> Yeah, I just, I don't know. That, it's a um, different different world, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, I've, I have a feeling you're not cut out to be a crime scene cleaner-upper. Uh, yeah, probably not. <laughs> anyway. I really, I can clean thoroughly, um, but I probably would be too empathetic for that. Blood and brains yeah. and other things, amongst other things. So Lester goes upstairs, he leaves Chaz downstairs, and as he's pulling a suitcase out of his closet, he, you know, his hand, his fucking hand, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> if he, if he makes it out of the show alive, I don't think he's going to have a hand. Well. Oh, he'll have one hand, he won't have two. <laughs> I hope he gets a hook. But isn't it? When it's, that happens, it, it's so realistic the way he deals with it too. How he just pokes it so slightly and just immediately winces in pain. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I don't know if you've really ever had good an infection like performance. that. Performance. Yeah. And this is the first uh, quote that I wrote down in full: is he gets a phone call from Mister Numbers regarding their meeting at the uh, at the insurance office, and I really like what he says to him. He says. Uh, was it worth it? And he goes, you know, the widow Hess, her husband nice and cozy in the ground, insurance money on the way, every night she puts her kitty in your face, guy like you, Lester, small town, small time, I think you won the lottery, but was it worth it? And, I, you know, just your life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> but number, I wrote down for this that they are really overestimating Lester's planning oh, yeah. abilities here that like they're pretty good at what they do but they see this bumbling idiot he's like <laughs> right below Bill and they're like that guy has a master plan to get <laughs> to get money and he is definitely trying to seduce this woman that he's like awkward like incredibly uncomfortable around you cannot tell me that they didn't notice how awkward Lester was being from that giant picture window. <laughs> well, they were just watching from the tree line. A lot these people, them and Le them, them and Lauren, they they really love hanging out in tree lines in this show. <laughs> I'm just saying it was a big window. You know, if they were, they they should be a little bit better at picking up on how like the what's going on here, but. Obviously, it's in their benefit to intimidate him anyway. So. Yeah. And um, from what I, uh, uh, the next scene is, is uh, Wrench and Numbers meeting, and they're having breakfast in Lou's coffee shop, which I think 
numbers actually stepped outside of to make that call to Lester. But yeah. I think, but I think we gather in this scene that numbers really just wants to get the job done and go home, whereas Mister Wrench wants to actually solve the issue or the, the he wants to get to the source of the problem. So I think numbers kind of just wants it to, wants to be like, oh, it was Lester, obviously, let's kill him and go home. Whereas Wrench, I think that these people, like, they need corporate mandated like work place activities to <laughs> help them bond and come to understand their shared purpose and how to work together as a team. <laughs> so I think their boss really should take charge here and help them be more effective at their jobs. I'm excited for you to find out who their boss is. But also, <laughs> um, so yeah, also also I, I just wanted to comment, you know, Rent, I think Mr. Wrench wins the award for best coat of the series with the tassels, but he also has a great mm. undercoat. I think it's just like a bomber jacket, like a black bomber jacket. Yeah, that he's looks wearing great. Yeah, he's two great um, coats. <laughs> And then there's the mention of um, only Mormons like to be watched while eating. Oh yeah, with their sign language conversation. I don't know the specifics because it wasn't. Yeah, um, is that a thing? Not that I'm aware of, but hey, maybe. I'm always learning new things about Mormons that I I didn't know. Were. You want me? To, you want me to call up Joseph Smith real quick? Get him on the line. Yes. yes see, see what the plate said in the hat? Phone a friend. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and as they leave, I just, I really love these shots that we're getting of things happening in the background through the window. <laughs> I was wondering if we were going to, like, zoom in on something with the, with the mug on the table that they left. Like, oh, oh, there's something like some clue there. But then it's just to get this nice shot. And we got, I think we've had multiple shots of Sam Hess's boys, like, doing dumb shit to each other behind a window. (laughs) And then we even get another shot later of Lorne and Gus Grimley talking in that hallway. And that glass isn't clear. It's Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I wrote that in my notes, too. Yeah. But I, you know, I noted this shot through the window, and then later it was like, oh, even more. What is that glass so, called? Like tempered glass? Maybe. Anyway. I think. Yeah. yeah we and, don't need to. And there's start also a like you know. Glass podcast. <laughs> well, hold on, one more glass thing. There's also like you know the the stained glass in um, the supermarket king's office that plays a big, you know, it's a big set piece for who he That's is true. and all that. Noah Holly, what's your de- what's your deal with glass? Do you have a fetish, Noah? Well, I definitely <laughs> was maybe reaching here on some metaphors, but like with the the wavy glass that was harder to see through, it's like distortion, mm-hmm. and it's like trying to you know with like Lorne, maybe there's more of a distortion of reality compared to these other window shots, but maybe yeah. that's just. Me yeah, reaching like, that scene was done that way definitely meeting. on purpose. I I, I, I really liked that too. I think you're that right. scene was totally or that shot was not really necessary because they only held it for a minute and then went back into the hallway. But but it it definitely anyway. served its purpose. I mean, we both noticed. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So anyway, back okay. yeah, so numbers and uh, yeah, numbers and wrench. You know, they kind of get into a district. You know, they're they get angry at each other. I uh, Lou, when Lou drops off the check too, I like Lou uh, gives he you know eyeballs the both of them like he knows you know he he knows these guys are up to no good. But what's he gonna do? He's just here to sell you know pour coffee and cook eggs. <laughs> I would love if Lou was low-key, like, solving crimes by just being, like, the unassuming, like, diner owner. <laughs> and he was just, like, you know, slipping tips to to Molly and previously Vern. I don't think he should tell <laughs> Bill anything. Um, I think that would be a great show. It'd be like a... A murder she wrote, but with Lou Salverson. <laughs> I'd watch the hell out of that. All right. Oh man, yeah. absolutely. Thank you for the validation. You know I love Lou. I love me some Lou. Anytime we go into Lou's coffee shop that only serves weird chicken dishes and and alcohol, I'm excited. Anyway, <laughs> um, we end up back with Lorne, who's you know trying to look pathetic, and he has cuffs on the front of him because that's what they do for people who aren't actual threats. And he's given his phone call at the police station. And Lauren calls a pet store where Don Chump is shopping. And uh, the clerk gives the phone to Don. It's such a move to call a place that someone is just, like, shopping in. Yeah. To, like, be so certain that they're there. Yeah, talk about the timing. (laughs) Um, Although I... You know, it's 2006, where cell phones were still kind of iffy in terms of adoption. So I think this had to have been happening more, more so. <laughs> but it really feels like a power move when mm-hmm. you're in a in a store and someone just knows that you're there. It's a good guess. Yeah. And yeah, so he asks if he ha- if they have them. Yeah, but only a hundred. And he says, okay, well, there are three other pet stores in town, so hit them all. I'm in jail. I'll be out in a few hours. <laughs> Is there a number on the locust that's significant in in the Bible or other I don't believe so. Because it's a, it's a lot, a lot of locusts okay. when this actually happens. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you definitely need more than 100 for a swarm. <laughs> yeah, no. And 100, I don't think... Like if you put a hundred in a grocery store, that would that could be like three on each aisle. Yeah, and that's people not, might not even really not notice. Many. So you gotta. It'd you be gotta noticeable, to... but it would be like, hey, why are there so many crickets in here? It wouldn't be like, holy shit, look at all these crickets. <laughs> yeah, it would take a while. I think you know, like someone would notice one, and then like a few steps later, they notice another. Well, that's why you got to go to four different pet stores. <laughs> uh, Gus is washing his hands as uh, Chief Poobut and um, Schmidt come in to go pee. Which this is a really cool thing that some dudes are super cool with. <laughs> is peeing right next to each other? Yeah, just peeing right next to each other and having full conversations with eye contact and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not common in. That's well. That's what I'm saying. Is it is, but you got to be a certain type of guy. I don't do this, but there's definitely people I work with now where I'll be, like, peeing at the urinal and somebody walking walk in and be like, Hey, Cody, how was your weekend? What are you doing? And I'm just like, man, come on, wait, like, ten seconds. I'm almost done. Are there, is it, is it a level of friendliness 
thing for you, or is it always preferred to to have space? If I'm talking to you, I would not like to be touching my penis at that moment. So you and Tom personally do this. We probably well have we peed in a public bathroom together. I'm sure we have. I'd be super surprised if you haven't. Yeah, we we've had to have. I'm trying to think if we talked. But see, even with that, it wouldn't be like full conversation. I'm looking at you while urine is coming out of my dick. <laughs> yeah. It would be like, oh, I yeah. wonder <laughs> if women would feel some type of way about this if they had to, like, touch themselves while urinating. Great question. This is a pretty, it's a pretty hands-free experience for women, so... But you guys got a wife talking, and we don't. Talking to <laughs> someone while peeing is not, a, not an issue. You know, I've been in a number of situations where i shared the you know shared the restroom with other women (laughs) but you have mostly involving alcohol but yeah you have well yeah no like just like a single occupancy bathroom where like me and possibly multiple women are just okay i see (laughs) yeah girls are so much more chill about that kind of stuff though like pretty much all girls have seen each other's boobs right that's just normal mm, yeah pretty much right <laughs> i i mean it i think it depends on the stage of your friendship like as i've gotten older close friends less at least. instances where yeah. i end up seeing a friend's boobs yeah but certainly younger and like maybe trying on clothes and like getting ready together to go out exactly more more of those instances yeah yeah girls all know what each other's private biddies look like i feel like whereas like but i do me think and tom I think have never seen be, each other's penises i don't think but like i don't know i think if you had to like touch your clitoris to pee <laughs> then maybe i wouldn't go like to the bathroom with my friends you know like i just think that Maybe it's uh. a different experience. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the word clitoris. That that hit me pretty pretty hard. Why why not? I don't I don't know. Just wasn't expecting it, so mm. you got me. I've been watching too much sex education, so I'll tell you all about you know, it later. You know what I would say if I had to see my friends clitoris when they wait, hold on. Let me start this over. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I hold on. I'm I'm gonna get there, hold on. You know what I would say if I had to see my friend's male clitoris when we peed every time? Wait, hold on. I would say, is that Billy Bob Thorne? I don't... Anyway, let's move past this. <laughs> you know, I felt like you were setting yourself up for that, and I... Yeah, it was a long... Had it, just... It was a stretch. Just as little faith in it. So, Poo Butt and, <laughs> and Lieutenant Schmidt are peeing, and Saul asks for like a litany of options of proof that Lorne is the guy and any need for which would have been established had Molly come instead of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the security camera photo is the only bit of evidence they're working with, but, uh, you know, Fartstain decides that the photo is too grainy, so they interrogate Frank Peterson, who is a minister up in Baudette, go Bears, and his accent is thick. And I think Lieutenant Schmidt kind of tries to play bad cop and demands the truth about him being pulled over in Lester's car. But Frank tells him, uh, instead, he just goes into talking about how his church bingo night 
and how Gus point, pointed a pistol at him. And I mean, it's a great cover, and obviously it fucking works. And they even yeah. as, you know, even as, uh, you know, they call some numbers up in Baudet, and they all vouch for I'm going to read this, this line. All right. So, you know, I'm not used to having a firearm stuck in my face, which I know the Lord tests you in all kinds of ways, but <laughs> oh, partner, that's a heart stopper. <laughs> oh, partner, that's a heart stopper. Thank you for adding the accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there. That was a little bit too Chicago that I did. But um all the meanwhile, Gus is watching the interrogation through the through the uh, two way one way mirror? Two way mirror. What's it called? One way one way mirror? Yeah, and he sees how Lauren's playing them. And uh Lauren throws in a good oofta as well at this point, right? In the script. Yeah. <laughs> After the interview, the two chiefs leave to call around Baudet, and Lorne looks straight through the mirror at Gus. And smiles. Mm Mm-hmm. God. (laughs) Yeah. We get uh, him saying, like, I'm a cautious driver by nature on account of my eyesight. Glaucoma, they say it is. (laughs) Only in the one eye, but you can't be too careful. That's what I tell my parishioners. My parishioners. (laughs) Forgiveness, that's the heart of the good book. Turn the other cheek, second chances, amen. Jesus. Just so, the lines here are so perfect. And he is such a good performer. I love just feeling the the difference in energy from him. Yep, absolutely. You're watching Billy Bob Thornton play Lauren Malvo, who is playing Frank Peterson. Um, I also wanted to point out, too, that um, this is a really terrible interrogation tactic, I don't know how much they are actually trying because it seems like they don't really take Gus very seriously. So, well, I think if they're... I kind of just think if Bill is in the room and there's police work being done, the it just automatically gets shittier. Like it's it's going to be well, worse police work. <laughs> but also, like, um, I don't know, Deputy Schmidt or whatever his title is, he's not particularly good at his job either. No, you're right. So, I, I just, like, I've listened to, again, because Tom makes me watch weird videos, um, of, like, very good interrogations, and they do so much, like, to make them feel comfortable. Oh, yeah. And make them feel like, oh, you can trust me, you can tell me, whatever. But it really seems like they, I don't know, maybe aren't aren't taking him that seriously, or they're bad at their job, or both. Like, have you seen uh, on Netflix, the? Uh, it's called, like, American Murder, The Family Next Door? No. Oh, you haven't watched it? Oh, you gotta watch that. We'll I'm talk- not a huge true crime person. I just get random videos forced on me. Thomas is such a weirdo. relationship. You gotta yeah. give him a wedgie later. And, like, <laughs> give, him an, give him an Indian burn. Which, ooh, is that, like, a... Do I get canceled if I call it an Indian burn now? What do you call that mm. instead? <laughs> it, is it a Native American burn? Native American burn. Uh, <laughs> Indigenous people's burn. <laughs> I, I don't know uh, the origin of the... You gotta give him that. Give, give him a noogie. Okay. An Indigenous people's burn, a wedgie, and a swirly. Please. Um, and so they, they clear <laughs> all of this stuff with, um, with Lauren's story, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Is there a Frank Peterson that exists in that area? And they, like, whoever sets up 
Lauren's. I honestly have no goddamn idea, but Lauren Malvo just has it. Because it's it's not all about his performance. Like they call and check on what he's saying, and and so also while they're call while they walk out to call the people in Baudet, we cut to Molly who's interviewing the motel owners that uh, the well the motel manager I guess and the kid who works there and she's you know the one who peed in the gas tank and um, through interviewing them she finds out his real name is Lauren Malvo on account he signed their ledger at the hotel so uh this is the first instance where we get his name Mm -hmm. i was a a dirty cheater and found this information on imdb but we didn't know it previously and really but yeah this is the first mention of his name no because lester calls him lauren doesn't he no really it says this in the trivia which i pulled for the episode what does lester call him then just a guy i don't think I looked, I was kind of keeping an eye out for it, and he just doesn't. Wow. But I was low-key hoping that the name on the ledger was going to be a dick joke. And I'm a little (laughs) bit disappointed. Or some other, you know. Dick Johnson. You know, just some type of name that (laughs) is, is dirty and explicit when you say it aloud. Hey, would you blow me? Yeah. But, um... It's not. It's just the name, which I think we talked about previously. I do not believe that this is his real name. Probably not. I believe this is his previous job name, or he just came up with one. But maybe, maybe when he's helping Lester, it's the truest version of himself. So he's going to use his real name. Hmm. In these other jobs, he's being Frank Peterson. He's being this person. But with Lester, he's... He's Lorne. Lorne Malvo. Yeah. He can be his true self. Huh. Um, I don't know. Probably not, but... Molly calls Gus with that information, so Gus now knows his real name. And Gus kind of watches the whole case fall apart. And um, finds out... The Lieutenant Schmidt comes up. Find Gus finds out they're letting Frank Peterson go. And that he's <laughs> he gets desk duty for two weeks for this whole thing. And he says... You know, he says to the lieutenant, you're making a mistake. We get those Christmas bills. Yeah. <laughs> lieutenant also compared, uh, Lieutenant Schmidt also compared the security camera photo to the Zapruder film, which I thought was kind of funny. Gus claims he knows that he's the guy as um, Bill leads Frank Peterson right by Gus to let him go. And as uh, Frank Peterson's walking away, we get the cool shot where Gus, you know, kind of walks after him. And he says, how, do, how can you do that? And what's that, son? Just lie like that. Just just lie like that, he says. And the scene is shot through that tempered office glass that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Says, I sure hope you catch the fella that killed all those people. I'll be praying on it. And as he starts to walk away, Gus just yells, Lorne Malvo. And he stops in his tracks and turns around and says, uh, Did you know the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color? And my question for you is, Why? When you figure out the answer to my question, then you'll have the answer to yours. He's so good. Yep. And, and I was just like, what? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. This is the best. So you can identify berries better? I don't know. <laughs> that doesn't answer the question. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, we, we do get the answer to the question in this episode. Yeah. Because Molly is 
dope as shit. Doing decent, decent, uh, not even, pol- it's not even police work, but just being a smart person, being that Bill's not around. Yeah. <laughs> and as Lauren exits the police station, he takes off the dark glasses and ruffles his hair back to the way he's used to. Yeah, this made me think about, like, how often he's doing different personas and how he does a great job with shifting his personas uh, in behavior and, you know, the the glasses and the hair or whatever. But, you know, he's no, like, a villain of ill, like, villanelle, like, <laughs> in, uh, in Killing Eve or, like, these other people that can like they change up their entire wardrobes i would expect more of that from from someone who's going from place to place like yeah and i mean i mean maybe that's part of why he's such a why he's so good at what he does is because he can morph into a different person but you know it's still the same you know it's still the same guy he doesn't have to do much with it but yeah. i would i would love to see more costumes on Billy Bob Horn is what I'm saying. I think he gets a couple other looks as we go down. Okay. Next I just, I don't episodes. know. Like a, like a wig could do wonders. Yeah, like a wig and a, like a, a coat change. <laughs> just saying. You want him in a pompadour? <laughs> I, you know, I just, I think that he could do, he could be doing more to <laughs> diversify his. You just don't like his awesome here. bangs. His bangs are terrible. I hate them. And he, you know, like, has them swiped away previously. And then was like, oh, wait, got to get the bangs back out. Yep. Like, really? Really, dude? Got to impress the crickets in the in Don Trump's car. <laughs> yeah. Don picks him up from the uh, police station. We cut to Lester walking down the street, having a great day, I'm sure. And he gets a call from the Duluth impound for informing him that a forensics team is looking at his car. Which I, you know, I guess he's concerned about for some reason. And he rounds a corner into a parking lot and is met with uh, numbers and wrench. You force him in another trunk. Really nice sly, like, hey, Lester. Yep. <laughs> Just, like, doesn't see it coming. <laughs> and inside the trunk, um, this this might be my favorite part of the episode, is when he's in the trunk and he calls Chaz. <laughs> Just watch, not even masturbating or anything, just watching porn with his gun cabinet open in his garage. <laughs> It's so cool. I mean, <laughs> I guess I I feel like there are always people in, in at least media, I don't know about in the real world, that watch porn just for the sake of watching porn. Like it's not even Have you ever just looked with... just been like, I wanna look at some porn? Have you ever? Hmm. hmm. Maybe when I was younger and there was a little bit of like, what's out there? Like, oh, could I find it? But it's not just like, oh, I I know some porn. Let me put it on and just watch it and yeah, not just, just have that attached to like sexual activity. But, you know, like you hear about um, people like teachers watching porn at work. And I assume some of those teachers are jerking it. But like... <laughs> What are you doing watching porn if you're not going to I guess you're not it, masturbate? I guess it would make sense with like, you know, sexual addiction and stuff like that. So there I I'm sure there are some people out there who are just like so about it. Like, I don't even like people pay for porn memberships. You know, to websites. Yeah. Pornhub was it like Pornhub Plus or I don't even know what it is, but like somebody out there is paying for that. 
there's a lot of weird um, information out there about like when people look at Pornhub that doesn't track with my understanding of how people engage with with porn. Oh yeah, like like like, like this like uh, incest is like the number one search or something, isn't it? Isn't that a well? Thing? There's also um, like the amount of times that people are masturbating on like holidays or when their teams win or lose or like just yeah. surrounding particular events that just doesn't make sense to me. Pornhub's great um, about putting out the, the, those like little snippets of information about their <laughs> about their users. <laughs> people people that watch porn like ex- like exclusively on their phones. <laughs> which i mean i get i get like having that as an option but that's a terrible like, <laughs> terrible option for if that's your only you know you got to get the job done sometimes anyway <laughs> sometimes but it's the, like i don't know i just get remember that my mom out, wanted like... to listen to this podcast when we put it out <laughs> I'm um, tell her to skip episode four anyway <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. It just none of that. None of that really tracks, or a lot of it doesn't track with me. So there, are, there are <laughs> obviously weird habits. Um, but yeah, people are strange. Lester, Lester anyway. tells him he's locked in the trunk, which doesn't really he he doesn't give him nearly enough information to. True, but I get also, you know any he, actual help. But he also doesn't want his brother finding out about what he's been up to. You know, so like I kind of get why he's so short. And, like curt about what he's saying right yeah because i mean he wants to let his brother know that he's in trouble and needs help but he doesn't want to be like hey <laughs> i killed my wife and now they think i'm murdered sam hess and i'm in a trunk now help me he, he wants to be like i'm in a trunk uh i've been kidnapped <laughs> well i mean he doesn't even if he wanted to tell him everything he doesn't have enough information to really get help in that situation yeah, and he tells chaz not to call the cops like it, yeah it, which almost... is is the only thing that chaz could have done yeah what's chaz gonna do chaz doesn't know anything about where he's located if if this were a more advanced time period in terms of technology maybe there could have been an option for him to share his location or something but we don't have that no we're so, stuck in 2006 oofta um but Obviously, Lester is not the, <laughs> not necessarily going to be super strategic here. And as he's talking, you know, as he's on the phone with his brother, he fi- he remembers he has the taser that he stole from his brother. Do you remember when he stole mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yes, I do. And so he tells Chaz that the phone call is just a prank. And Chaz calls him an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and just goes back to his porn, you know, as you would. Just go back to observing. I, I love this. Um, I'm pranking you. What? Yeah, remember how we used to, you know, practical jokes and all? Well, uh, you're it, which is not how pranks work. <laughs> yeah, you're it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucking funny. Chaz. Fucking Chaz. So anyway, um, uh, Lester loses the taser from his bad hand as they hit a bump, but he grabs it back and he uh, hides it in his sleeve before the car stops. 
<laughs> Numbers opens up the trunk and he punches Lester in the gut immediately. <laughs> Which I think is just fun. <laughs> I was really worried for Lester here. Yeah? I was just like, I don't... Like, I knew he had the taser, but I was just like, uh, I, I don't know. These guys were really quick about getting the last guy into the ice fishing hole so was there was was there really a thought in your mind that they might kill lester off in this episode well in season two a very popular actor is gone very quickly so oh i, I know what know. you're saying <laughs> i was prepared he's not that prepared popular too well i guess he's, he's popular now he wasn't then <laughs> have you seen succession spoilers excuse you <laughs> we can talk about no but I, I, I heard i heard he said it yeah oh you haven't seen it oh, no i haven't okay. seen it listen we're gonna oh. we're gonna have a whole section after the bells that we're gonna be able to talk when about the new the cool season shows. comes out i will i will push you to watch it so anyway so gets punched in the gut numbers gets him out wrench is carrying the uh auger the ice drill as Numbers drags yeah. Lester out onto the lake. It's called an auger? Apparently it's an auger. Yes. Oh, okay. A-U-G-E-E-R. Wait, I, I just still feel like a little little handsaw would be more mobile. Let me ask you this, though. Sense. How would you get that started? If you had a handsaw and you were on an icy lake, how would you get that hole started? If they can do it on the Looney Tunes, <laughs> Wrench can make it happen. <laughs> I mean, at it's that point, also, at that point, just get a fucking sledgehammer, just knock the ice. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be really probably dangerous for you too, though, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Because then it could crack. Um, I feel like some type of like firework, explosive type thing that just sort of like fizzles uh, could melt the ice into like a pretty, pretty good circle. I guess, but it's like you could do that. You know, you you have all these issues with the <laughs> with the logistics of having an auger in the car <laughs> it just seems so heavy to carry around i don't know like you already got a body that you're carrying you also need to carry the auger yeah, just I, bring the, it's not it takes up one seat in the back seat it takes up like all of the leg room in the back seat of the car but who's, who's using the leg room you're putting the bodies in the trunk obviously so nobody needs to be in the back seat. It's just you two in the front. What if you they and your need deaf to pick friend. up kids after their soccer practice Wrench while is deaf they're son. <laughs> doing, doing murders? From, like, they have to drive to Martha's Vineyard and pick up Wrench's deaf son from <laughs> the school for the deaf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, I like the auger. Screw you and your goddamn handsaw. But what I will say about this scene... I like the drums. Yep, we bring back the wrench and numbers theme. I love the um, the shot of them like carrying him out. Mm-hmm. It's like such a nice wide view. Uh, I also wonder too, like where the, the sourcing of these good spots for body dumping on the ice. If like they they do this obviously, but like I just I think we got to take into account is there is a lot of space in north dakota that's true i guess i was just thinking like what if there's like a the ice fishing murder cemetery that they have in like one lake you know like they just <laughs> go out and they get 
And you just see like little holes all over <laughs> one lake, and that's their like dumping ground. And um, then, then when anyway, the, when the water, you know, <laughs> when the water de unfreezes after the winter, un unfreeze. What's the word for unfreezing? Oh my god, I'm having Melts. a stroke. When the yes, there you go. Thank you. My stroke is over now. Um, <laughs> when the when the ice melts, there's just like bodies floating everywhere in this lake. <laughs> Just a bunch of residents of Bemidji. <laughs> yeah, it's like noodle soup. Yeah. Um But yeah, and so anyway, the scene though, the the setup of um, wrench like looking for like away from them mm -hmm. with the auger, and it, I don't know, it's just set up so well, but also logistically bad because he. Should have probably been looking at Lester while um, doing you know, that, just to make sure that he didn't escape. But I also think good though, shot. Yeah, I, but I also think though is what you need to take into consideration. Kind of is num like I said earlier, numbers just wants to get this job done. He wants to wrap it up, whereas mm, Wrench gotcha. actually wants proof. So numbers, I think, goes out of his way to threaten Lester behind Wrench's back and be like, "You're going to say that you killed Sam Hess." Mm, that's a good point. And that's good why point. he's doing it behind Wrench's back is because he's just like, you're going to say this so we can, so I can go home. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, and when he's saying that, you know, Lester just kind of says, it wasn't me, it was the guy, the man. And he can't say Lauren because he does not know his I can't name. believe that. I thought Lauren's name had been mentioned already. Shit. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, and of, of course... Uh, Lester gets the taser out, tases numbers, I think, in the head or the neck, right? Yeah, I didn't didn't catch the specific location, but, uh, but probably see, neck. That makes more sense. I feel like, could you, like, taser someone to the skull as easily as, like... It would definitely not feel good, but movies and TV shows also have this thing about tasers and stuff like that where they completely incapacitate someone. That's not the case ever. <laughs> but I'll accept it for sake of plot have you been tased before no well oh i've had like the i've been hit with uh the miniature taser there's video on instagram of royce hitting me with like a personal taser mm. but not like that's okay. like a serious business like take you down okay. taser. so a hundred patreon subscribers <laughs> will get you the taser cast Fuck, get 10 patreon subscribers i'm not volunteering off. but i'll get uh... tased i've been tased before <laughs> they think of it <laughs> just throwing it out there all right perfect i get to do it that'll be yeah sure okay cool oh man but like okay because you can tell that one's like a thick meaty one like it takes it, it takes up your whole hand the one i was hit with was like a little it was basically you're getting chopped by a battery like a double a battery mm. <laughs> still hurt though anyway so yeah so it it, it completely knocks out numbers which that's not what happens, but I'll take it <laughs> for the sake of plot advancement. And Wrench is none the wiser. He's just... Look, I can't be the only one with issues on the <laughs> on the logistics. Yep. Fine. See, yours is about them having a goddamn auger in the backseat. Anyway, so <laughs> Wrench is augering away at the, at the ice, and Lester starts running. He books it to the woods and uh, finds a road, and that's where Gary Valentine... Knudsen is tick ticketing an illegally parked car. Lester runs up to him, asks for a ride in town, 
And Knudsen says no, but Lester kind kind of just rabbit punches him. <laughs> this is a good... I feel like this is where... I, I, I put Lester in as, as a possible MVP candidate. I don't know that he's going to get it here, but I just feel like this is maybe the closest <laughs> we're going to get to competency from him, where he, you know, has the taser, he uses it effectively, yep. gets away, and finds a way to get a ride out of the situation. Um, yeah. And I, I just love the, like... Oh nope, can't give you a ride. And then he gets punched. He's like, "Okay, now you can get a ride." Like, yeah. yeah. At the same time, yeah, we are writing a dark com, or we're we're in the middle of a dark comedy series. So yeah, I guess this is the funniest way it could have gone, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, Lester assaults the guy, and then wrenching numbers who love to be in tree lines appear in the tree line as the cop car pulls away. I feel like there's a really good coat in this scene. Everybody's got great coats. Two. It's true. Every coat. I forget. I forget which which coat it is. I'll have to start pulling some coat images. On the on the Instagram page, will you make a make a post dedicated just to the best coats of Fargo season one? Yeah. Okay. Should that be at the end so we don't miss out on any good coats? I mean, you could even do like best coats so far, and then we can have okay. the coat awards at the end of the season. <laughs> if, I think there are ten episodes per season, right? Yes. So maybe at the halfway point we'll we'll gather up the coats gather the coats be the the coat closet mm-hmm. i like it i like that <laughs> um all right then we go meet stavros again and he's tripping and having a hard time in his office <laughs> yeah time is slowing down he's sweating getting wavy from those drugs yeah and dimitri comes in lovely little dimitri and nervously tries to talk about his mother and his father. And Stavros is just being an asshole. And Dimitri starts crying. He's such a sad character. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I really want a team up of him and Buster Bluth. I just think that that Oh would my be... god. <laughs> yes. Oh. Like, really, really solid. Together they would have three hands. Um, they, in the background, we get, there are two butchers in the butcher shop. This is such a, like, sterile room. It's, like, a white, completely white room. Mm -hmm. And then, like, a few things hung up. But I get questions about what's, what's going on there. Um, and also I noticed that Stavros has, like, a, a bust on his desk of a dog. Which is obviously king. Um, and it just made me think, like, I think I need a bust of my dumb little golden retriever. Oh, God. Fine. I know your birthday's coming up in December. Ugh. Thank you, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> like, his dog is very studious, but I want, like, her tongue hanging out the side or something. Like, so. <laughs> and then bugs start falling out of the ceiling. Yeah. And I think he squishes the first one and Dimitri winces, right? If I remember that correctly. Mm, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and Dimitri goes, don't kill it. I think he says, don't kill it. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, slowly. you know, I, kill, kill or be killed is what he says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and uh, slowly we get more, cric- more and more crickets. 
and he gets a phone call saying, we demand one million in unmarked bills. We'll call tomorrow at 10 a.m. with drop instructions. Understand? Remember, God is watching. And we get Stavros and Shemenko. I can't remember if it's shorts. Uh, it in the IMDb it says Semenko, but there's a CH in front of the K. Oh God! Which I don't know if you pronounce that or not. And so Semenko, that doesn't really sound right. So <laughs> we get them two and Dimitri wandering out into the store and seeing the customers all fucking losing their minds about the crickets. Which, yeah, I get it. But also, just run outside. Why you gotta like run into other people and knock your carts over and shit? Well, it depends on how far you are into the into the supermarket. You gotta journey yeah. towards the the exit. <laughs> and it's a nice touch that uh, they have Lorne standing on top of the supermarket. Also, if I was him, I wouldn't fucking be up there. <laughs> I'd be getting the fuck away from there. <laughs> He's so showy. Yeah. It's it's a wonder that he hasn't gotten in more trouble <laughs> doing all of this. He's got a lot of you know, manpower behind him. This is uh, some big dick energy. Hell yeah. And uh, he really does delight in the... I think that might be why he's up there, is he really delights in the effect of his actions. You know, same as he liked watching that kid getting his ass kicked by the motel manager uh, for peeing in the gas tank. Same as he likes dealing with... I think just in general, likes dealing with Lester. (laughs) He just likes watching him squirm. Is it... Is it him kind of reveling in the power that he has to influence people to behave in ways that they wouldn't? Or do you think that he just likes seeing that breakdown of of the rules and like normal? Yeah, honestly, more than I, I if I had to guess, I don't even think he gives a shit about the money involved in, you know, doing this shit to Stavros. He just likes the game. He likes the game. But do you, do you think it has to do with, like, him feeling powerful or him getting that effect that he believes is, you know, like, he believes in? I feel like it's a power thing. I feel like there's almost, a like, a, a primal satisfaction of just, like, I made people do yeah. this. Thing. Yeah, no, like we like we've said before, he's an agent of chaos, and that's what he that's that's what he thrives in. He wants yeah, that. Like he doesn't really care. I don't think he cares as much what the end result is as much as like knowing that he can get people to do what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then we're at the bar. A bar. Is this the bar? The one that Sam has was. Kill that is this not strip club or just a regular bar i think this is just a bar i think we're at a different okay. bar and the uh, numbers is Looks fairly similar yeah <laughs> numbers is pretty sloshed i'm kind of confused about this scene because i'm not sure if they planned this or if they actually are angry at each other i know i made more notes about them needing like more workplace bonding again but then the end result is like, well, they did get it done. Yeah. They and ended up where they wanted to. Or where they should have at least. Not maybe not where decent, they wanted to. Maybe maybe it has the dual purpose of like blowing off the steam. Maybe um numbers 
It's like, oh, this is the plan. This is what we need to do to get to Lester. <laughs> and is also mad at Wrench. And so he just starts starts the shit without necessarily letting him know. Possibly, yeah. Like, it's not agreed upon, but he he has that that aim whether it be a plan or kismet they end up they end up fighting each other and and, you know trashing the bar you know and i didn't think about this at all until they showed up at the police station that like how perfect it was oh it's yeah just i was just like oh they're just mad at each other they're just mad at each other all the way through the very long scene (laughs) of being the they they knock yeah they knock into the trophy case and bust that open they knock tables over (laughs) they're smashing everything and all (laughs) it's a great bar fight (laughs) yeah but yeah i just didn't didn't think about what was what was going to come out of it (laughs) In between them going to jail and whatnot, we do get a quick scene with Molly sitting at a lose. And she's off duty, so she's in her comfy, nice sweater. Do you like her sweater? I do. Of course you do. It's not It's not my fav- favorite sweater. But it's um, a Molly sweater. Succession is a good sweater watch <laughs> show. Um, obviously, Knives Out is... It's not a show, but you, know, oh my you get God. sweaters there, too. So, I mean, I think there are better sources of sweater... Yes, knives out wear. is great sweater wear. You're right. I kind of like I'm Chris I'm Evans now sweater. thinking that there sh- there should be more sweaters to be checking out in this show. Um, we'll but see it's, a couple more sweaters. It's, it's a lot but of. But it's so much more about the coats. Yeah, because they're outside. Yep. You know. Yeah, more, you got to have the, o- the, the outer layer. A sweater is an under layer, so you don't see it as often. Um, but yeah, it's a good are, sweater. Are you excited about the knives out sequel? We'll talk about that and the bells. <laughs> anyway so molly's sitting there with and uh gus comes in to meet her and gus tells her about uh uh frank peterson and his alibi but assures her it's him that he had captured that day and uh molly solves the green shades riddle for gus do you have any dialogue yeah, she's, there? she's so good like oh, yeah. she just answers the question she just knows right away it's it's a like, throwaway for her she doesn't even, like, take it into consideration. She's like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> like, he says, he says, like, um, how come a human eye can see more shades of green than any any other color? And she immediately is like, because of the predators. Yeah. Like, duh, you dummy. <laughs> Man, if Vern had still been alive, the God places Molly would go. Oh, fucking Vern. Vern, we need you back. <laughs> Come back from the grave and haunt Bill's ass. But <laughs> just yeah, take over his body, body snatch him. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the reason people can see more shades of green than any other color is because of predators, so that we could identify things in the what is what she say in, in like the tall grass or something like that. Yeah, we had to be able to see them in the grass and trees and such, yeah. which. I don't know how how much that tracks, but it makes sense. You know, you got to be able to see the different leaves, the different blades of grass, and all this stuff. And if you see a different color in there, oh shit! There's a there's a monster. There's a dragon. There be dragons here. <laughs> yeah, I guess I just wonder if like if all the green kind of looked the same shade to you, if um, a different shade would actually stand out more. Hmm. 
Unless the animal is green, like I, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree with Molly. Yeah. God damn I it! You listen her, to Molly but... Salverson. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess I just not sure. So yeah, we get that. Not sure how true scene that is. between the two of them, and then uh, the final scene of the episode is Lester sitting in a holding cell, looking relieved a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah. And then he's creepy. I love. His... He's like about to like lie down yeah. he's like ooh finally I'm safe and he's <laughs> like, greeted in this... he's, he's, he's greeted by his two new cellmates who just happen to be wrenching numbers from their bar fight and I, I just want to point out uh, now that we're at the end of this episode here in the scene at, at Lou's diner mm-hmm. the salt and pepper shakers are in these like mallard ducks that have their (laughs) wings held out and there's a salt shaker and a pepper shaker under each wing really and they have many of them and i feel like that's like what i need to hold my salt and pepper shakers now well sounds like it's really cute you're gonna need a bust of olive and salt and pepper shakers for your birthday jesus tiff oh what if uh, I get a bust of olive where she has duck wings and then the, the salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> well, just all in one. And all in one. Okay. That'll, that'll go nicely right. with your kitchen robot. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Great episode. And boy, am I... When are you going to watch episode five? I don't know. Probably pretty quickly here. Yeah, because... Last week... Or in the past, I've tried to, um, like, do it for, like, closer to when we record, so it's fresh. Yeah. But then I get, like, oh, I gotta do it, like, cramming the night before kind of thing, which I don't like. And I had a a Hulu password incident this week. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That made it hard. (laughs) And it's hard when your entire podcast is dependent upon having your family access to (laughs) a streaming platform. (laughs) Oh, I agree. Yeah, because yeah, I'm excited for you to see episode five because I really want you to see how this plays out with the three of them in a holding cell. And mm, uh, I can't, I cannot wait. I was very bummed when we went straight to the credits. We're just like, ah, yeah. no. Because <laughs> I want to see the follow up. Yeah, next week is kind of the uh, big payoff of this whole uh, shotgun pellet in the hand fiasco. And boy, am I excited to see what you think about that. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll definitely get there. Yeah. So, hey, um, I hear there's some trivia that you wanted to reference about the episode title. I hope we stop getting, like, uh, what are they? Like, parables. Everything. Because it hurts, it hurts my brain. I'm not smart enough. I don't. Okay. <sighs> Eating the Blame is the name of a Zen Buddhism parable. Koan? Koan? K-O-A-N. Yeah. Uh, In which a cook who makes a vegetable soup for the Zen masters, unaware that he accidentally included part of a snake that he killed when he went to the garden with his curved knife and cut off the tops of the green vegetables for the soup. I'm already lost. The soup... (laughs) Go on, sorry. He went to cut the veggies off the thing and a snake was in there and he accidentally got a snake head in his veggies okay the snoop is soup is the praised snoop. as <laughs> the soup is praised as the best ever eaten but when the master finds the head of the snake in his soup 
and asked what it is, the cook simply says, thank you, and eats the morsel. What? Eating the blame is one of 101 parables, koans, from the Shasiki Shu collection of stone and sand, written late in the 13th century by the Japanese and teacher Muju. Probably didn't need all of that. Basically, the gist of the koan is the value of of immediately and entirely taking responsibility for one's actions. It makes a little bit more sense than, you know, the fucking goddamn crocodile's dilemma. <laughs> Paradoxes are, are tough. I guess the him just saying thank you... That's weird. ...is unusual. I could see Lorne Malvo doing that, though. It's like, the master finds the head of the snake in the soup and asks what it is. The cook says thank you? And eats the morsel. What? Yeah, like I, I don't know. Is it? That sounds like gratitude for being like called on his shit. Like, did he know? Did he not know? Like, I, I don't know. Again, I just don't. And know. apparently, I don't know. I think we should take something away from the fact that a little little snake in your soup makes it really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Better so than vegetable I think soup. That's, I think. I think that's a lesson. Yeah. I should take away from this. If I was to have vegetable soup and someone was like, do you want the vegetable soup with or without the snake head? I'd be like, fucking with the snake head, of course. <laughs> I still can't believe this um, is the first time we've heard of Lorne, Mal- Lorne Malvo. Well, maybe I've just I, seen the show so much that I'm just like, of course it's Lorne Malvo. Yeah, I mean, I, I got his name from IMDb when we were doing the first episode, and I'm an IMDb addict, so... As I was going, coming across that, I'm like, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. So I've been sort of looking out for for when that drops. Um, yeah. But we also made, I initially asked this question, we made the executive decision to call him Lorne Malvo instead of, <laughs> like, Billy Bob Thornton's character. Um, so. You know what I would say if I saw his character and... I didn't know his name. What What would you say, Cody? Is that Lorne Melvo? <laughs> I appreciate that you're gonna vary it up. All right, tell me, tell me some of your favorite lines. Okay, because uh, uh, since since we all, I only got three, so how about you pick the favorite? I'm gonna re- I'll read all three, and you pick what you think is your favorite. Okay. Okay. So the first line is from Lorne in the back of the cop car. He says, "You know, you're making a mistake." That's what you're going to say. Oh, fuck. Hold on. <laughs> My computer just went black as I did that. <laughs> so he says, hold on, let me make sure I'm still recording now. Okay, I am. He says, you're making a mistake. That's what you're going to say a couple hours from now. You're making a mistake. And the second line I have is from Mr. Numbers, and he says, the widow Hess, her husband, nice and cozy in the ground, insurance money on the way. Every night she puts her kitty in your face. Guy like you, Lester. Small town, small time. I think you won the lottery. And then the third line, of course, is uh, Frank Peterson getting out of custody after being called Lorne Malvo. (laughs) He says to Gus Grimley, Did you know the human eye can see more shades of green than any other color? My question for you is, why? When you figure out the answer to my question... Then you'll have the answer to yours. What do you okay, think? So my favorite is, oh, partner, that's a heart stopper. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you were planning that the whole time, weren't you? <laughs> I scrolled up on the script to find it. I put it in my notes. It was it was good. Okay, fine. You know what my favorite line from the episode is then? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oof duh. Just oof duh. Yeah. That's also in my Okay. Um Best up. And then we we don't have you know, when when we decided that we would do a best death, I really expected that there would be multiple deaths in, in each episode, but this is the first yeah. one we've really it's been like like crickets here. Yeah, they <laughs> Which is Good one. Which is one of our nominees. Because I'm sure well, Stavros does kill at least one cricket, but I'm assuming all of these crickets die, right? I mean, if you get away, sure, maybe some of them hop outside the store, but yeah, the crickets are probably the only things that die in this episode. Yeah, and uh, I've also nominated uh, Gus Grimley's career in law enforcement. Boy, I love that you put that, but you just wait. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you think this is his low point? You just wait. (laughs) (laughs) He just gets. like, Lorne really one-ups him. Oh, absolutely. Every step of the way here. And he, I mean, he uh, has no real plan going into this. He's just like, that's the guy. My daughter's been shading me about being being a bad cop. I gotta take care of this. Mm-hmm. Without really considering that Lorne Malvo could fuck his life up. Fucked him up. I mean, really, he, oh, man, because he was, you know, and just, he was so nervous and excited to bring him in, and then to just have that turn into the shit show that it was with the dumbass chiefs involved. Oh, it's so frustrating for him to watch yeah. all of this go down, and he gets on the phone with Molly, and Molly is immediately like, oh, like, thank you for telling me, that's perfect, and they're doing such good police work together. Mm-hmm. But none of that matters. Yep. Because Molly isn't there. So. But at least, you know, they've interacted with their, you know, perp. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. But man, it's going to get a lot. It Like, it, I don't even want, I'm not going to say anything. I got I to gotta stop okay. doing this. I really got to stop doing this. Gus is and briefly in season. I think I'm... Oh, decent at like um and making guesses on like where things are gonna go with this show i can only guess like 10 minutes into the future you know or like what might happen in the episode oh man but i can't get any long-term things because there it's always so much so much weirder than i expect yeah (laughs) all right episode mvp so i feel like i keep making this about like who who's the most competent which i you know we should keep an open mind that it's you know who's adding the most to the episode who's who's doing the most yep but i think that lorne being very competent is doing quite a lot for this episode but um i put molly in here again i don't think she needs it again and you know she has so many missteps with letting bill just take over Um, she kind of does take a back seat on this episode as well like she's not she's not 
the lead in this episode at all. Yeah. So, you know, definitely worth recognizing her her talents here. Yeah, Dawn she's great. is also Don Chump. Uh <laughs> I think I think he he deserves most improved. Okay, we can give him the most improved. Get him a trophy made up. <laughs> we'll get we'll get different superlatives here. Um and I I had nominated Lester just because he was a he was better he lived. than he has been. Same, same, like same, he yeah. Um I don't know if he's going to do any better. Part of me wants to, you know, make sure he gets his props at some point. It's um, the same as like the first episode where he really scurries to live to fight another day. You know, he does yeah. everything he can to survive and he gets away again. Although yeah. he does end up in a pretty precarious position. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been scrambling for so long that he's just, he is really backed into a corner by the end of this episode. But <laughs> it's quick thinking and better, I think, than running headfirst into a but I assume it's like a concrete wall. I would rather be, yeah, I would rather be in a police station with two people who want to murder me than trapped in my basement with my recently murdered wife that I committed and a cop slowly closing in on me, I would say. Yeah. So, anyway, Lorne Lorne gets it. This This is, yeah, this is absolutely (laughs) Lorne's episode because the whole time he's hitting home runs. Everything he does is the best possible decision. Stealing the glasses, making the phone call to cover himself as Frank Peterson, you know, calling Don Chump to make sure they have the crickets, standing on top of the store. Everything he does, it's just... He he glides through this episode like nothing's wrong, even though he's been arrested by the guy. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely like oh he's getting arrested how is this gonna work in his favor like how is he gonna get out of this without having to do something like really chaotic and wild like lester you know to just scramble to get out of the situation and he just does it so effortlessly or seemingly effortlessly yeah it's i don't want to discount all the all the work he's put into (laughs) becoming this person but maniac all right. Anything else on this episode? Um, no. I th- I th- man, we've been going for a while. This might be our longest episode yet, and I think it's worth it though because this is such a episode four is amazing. So I think you know, we I felt it. like I felt like this. We didn't talk for that long, but that's looking at the runtime. Yeah. I'm like oh wow. <laughs> I'll do some editing, but it's still. I think this is still going to be our longest episode for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's all we have for our Fargo discussion this week. If you are curious to hear more about what we've been watching or getting into recently, you can stay tuned after the bells. And uh, otherwise, next week we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 5, The Six Ungraspables. So a word. You can find <laughs> us on Twitter and Instagram at FargonPod. And you can email us at FargonConclusionPod at gmail.com. And if you have something nice or terrible to say, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Instagram at Shane Prayer and listen to my band, Bold Villain, on all streaming platforms. 
And you can find me on Twitter at TEAflow or check out my website, tiffanyflowers.co. Until next week, if you need a lot of crickets, remember to go to more than one pet store. What the heck do you want? I just wanted to have a look at you. Okay. That'll do it. Okay, so you mentioned Squid Game. And I am picturing... Have you seen Doctor Who? I mean, I'm aware of it. I lived with Kim for a number of years. Kim O'Connell, who my old roommate who she that was like her thing she loved doctor so i know i know who david tennant is i know you know i know who these people are yes okay well there's um there's an alien species race uh called the ood that have like uh davy jones like tentacle (laughs) faces yeah and i'm just picturing them like playing dodgeball for the show <laughs> so i would like you to tell me can we tell you about squid game <laughs> tell me how i'm wrong it has nothing to do with aliens first of all <laughs> well these are i mean they're squid like aliens you know they just they have they have squid faces is what i'm saying they're not the ones in doctor who that you only register wait isn't there like an alien that you when you see them you're like oh my god but then as soon as you don't look at them you no, don't see them anymore those are the stone angels have you watched all of doctor who yeah, uh, except for the mm, latest season. Who's your I favorite think? doctor? I saw. Um, I, 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 was, I was about five feet away from Matt Smith once at Comic Con. Uh, I would say that overall, I like David Tennant, but my favorite like season or like arc is Matt Smith and really um, and Amelia Pond. <laughs> That's the doctor's assistant, or whatever they're called. The companion. Companion, Um, excuse me. (laughs) That's when um, Russell T. Davies was the showrunner and head writer starting the show. And he goes all the way through David Tennant. And then um, Stephen Moffat takes over for when Matt Smith comes in. And he does a way more of, like, serialized arcs, which I kind of prefer but then he gets a little too caught up in his own <laughs> shit, I think. But Russell T. Davies is coming back to do Doctor Who for the next season, so I'm very excited. Who's the uh, uh, Who's the older Doctor who took over after I think Matt Smith? After Matt Smith, what's his name? He's the bad guy in Suicide Squad. P- Peter Capaldi. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying? that's him. He only did like one season, right? Or something like that. He did a few. Peter Capaldi. Okay. Yeah, I think he did three seasons, maybe four. I really it like... Was, it was okay. Yeah? It just wasn't... Not my favorite. Tenant's your favorite? Tenant. Yeah. He... He does a lot of the, like, lighthearted stuff better. And he also does the serialized, like, longer arcs better, too, I think. Mm. So... But I, I really love the, like, season five, I think. And I forget if that wraps in season six or not. <laughs> but, but his arc with with uh, Amelia and Rory was, like... Rory. Amy and Rory, I guess. Would you name your child Rory? So, it's Squid Game. No. 
Yeah, so, we're supposed to be talking about Squid Game. Squid Game is the number one show in the world right now. So it's very popular. It's a South Korean thriller. Okay. Which I love. I mean, I, I South Korea, I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> is it is it but dubbed? You can watch it dubbed. You can watch I I watch it just with subtitles cuz I like to okay. hear their inflection, but you can watch it dubbed. Um but South Korea for years there's their thriller movies are so intense and amazing. Like there's this movie called I Saw the Devil that I watched mm-hmm. about 10 years ago. I shit my pants watching it because <laughs> it's so good. And they make such good thrill I don't know what it is, but they there's I Saw the Devil, I mean Old Boy, you know, all the the trilogy the Vengeance trilogy uh Mother, there's so many good South Korean thrillers and they made a series now which they very clearly put a lot of money into because the set design, the characters, and everything is so good. And it does nothing... Is it all available on Netflix yeah, at once? the whole season's okay. out on Netflix right now. And basically the concept is <clears throat> people who are in debt in South Korea are given the option to join in on this series of six games, which are all children's games. And whoever gets through all six games wins a bunch of money and they get to relieve themselves of debt the problem is uh if you fail the game it's uh you know fatal Mm, okay and so it's it's not like a reality show it's like i don't gosh i don't even know how to describe it but it's just it's really well written with a lot of great characters and holy shit is it graphic (laughs) Okay. You gotta watch might, Squid Game. Might have to give it a go. But you don't. I like feel like I just need to be like in on on the conversation. You is what what I yeah. feel like. It doesn't seem like my thing, but I'm curious so good. because everyone's talking about it. I'm a huge fan, and yeah, it's just it's okay. it it is number one in the world right now, apparently on <laughs> streaming platforms. Literally every everywhere I go on the internet, people talking about it. So, Squid Game, bro, check okay. it out. Uh, have you seen all of the first season that's out? I'm about halfway through. I think I've watched five it, episodes. They might. I think they have the same kind of thing as Fargo, where it's like ten episodes a season. Mm. <laughs> Are they planning to do more? I hope so. Mm. I'm okay. not certain. Well, it seems like it's popular enough that it could be. But Netflix is always iffy on whether or not it's going to... Yeah, I'm so mad. They, uh, Mindhunter... things. Yeah, Mindhunter was such a great show, and they canceled that after two seasons. Yeah, who knows what their and I wanted, uh, strategy is there. I wanted to hear about Succession, but there was also another show you wanted to talk about as well, right? Hmm. Well, Succession is coming back next... Or, well, I guess now we're in October. It's coming back um, very soon. Maybe by the time this releases, it'll it'll be out already. Cool. Oh, this is going to be, like, way off when we're talking about stuff. Yeah. Who gives um, <laughs> Thinking about our release schedule now. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, Succession, it's... Like, when I first started it, it's about these, like, white rich people that are in like cutthroat business and you're just like oh these people are all terrible i was getting really strong um like 
who I, I can't tell the difference between them, Don or Eric uh, Trump Jr. vibes. They're all um, the same person. <laughs> from from the the main character, Kendall. And um, I was just like, oh, I hate this person so much. It's the worst. And then like four episodes in, I'm like, I love Kendall. I support him. <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Like, uh, like, and... Is Kieran Culkin the main character? He's one of the brothers. Oh, so he's the main character played by? I forget just some actor. the actor's name. <laughs> but he's very good. And he he really does some strong work throughout the season. His He is one of my favorite characters um, on the show. But um, also... I wish I could remember all of these people's names better right now. Mm-hmm. They're escaping me. John Hamm. John Hamm is not in succession, as far as I remember. Um, Jonathan Taylor. Jeremy Thomas. Strong. Jeremy Strong uh, plays plays Kendall. There's a like cousin Greg, who's just this uh, cousin that kind of gets thrown into the mix and like sort of bumbles his way through everything. And um, Matthew Mc, McFadden is in Pride and Prejudice, which is <laughs> a very... I love the book. I Hell really yeah, like the do. movie. Um, but it's so wild to see him in Succession because he is not at all like Mr. Darcy. Like, anti-Darcy <laughs> energy is what we're, we're given here. Um but yeah, it somehow ends up being a great show, and I'm super excited for... What do you watch that on? HBO? HBO. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Shiv is also a character that has just excellent Shiv? fucking sweater game. Like a Shiv? Yeah, her... Like stab you Shiv? <laughs> her, her name is like uh, Siobhan. <laughs> okay. But... Um, it gets, but her sweater is excellent, always, uh, especially season two. So, what what part of the country does this take place to... in it, to explain the sweaters? I think they're in like New York, okay. New England area. Okay, so it's weather weather place. So that's what. Yeah, okay. they're they're up in that that area. Um, but yeah, sex education. Oh, I that's am it, now. Yeah fully caught up season three just dropped so everybody's been talking about it (laughs) and i'm like uh maybe i'll check that show out maybe and then after a hundred mentions i'm like all right putting it on the list now okay and it is spoil real quick just say just to say spoilers i'm probably not gonna watch it so tell me all about it but we're you're about to drop some spoilers so the main character's mom is uh, who's played by Scully from X Files? Oh, and she is a sex. She's a sex therapist. Jillian Anderson and, is that her name? Yeah, nailed it. She she's a sex therapist that's like you know home practice, like penis sculptures all over her home. Hot. And he's very embarrassed by it, but then slowly gets talked into being like the sex therapist for his school. <laughs> so he sort of ends up like reiterating. Um, reiterating all this advice and basically it ends up being that throughout like each episode he kind of has a new client that he's working with and it's like teenagers having weird sex problems and you know (laughs) in the first episode it's like this guy who has a huge penis who feels so 
so much pressure to like perform well because he has this reputation of having having such a big dick uh, and he like yeah i know what that's like having an orgasm um in the in the first scene so <laughs> it's just really i think it does a great job i think it could be really um instructional for teenagers to be watching it It, or you know even young people that are like oh that's a weird sex thing that i personally have dealt with so it serves Um, a purpose on top of being an entertaining show would you say yeah i mean they they definitely speak to certain issues that from my understanding they're they're actually touching on those topics in a informational way Hmm. they don't go super deep on it because it's still a a fictional tv show but the characters also end up being having like really great relationships and developing in ways that are i think kind of unexpected uh have you seen shameless hell yeah i stopped watching at a certain point but yes i watched Uh, yeah my dad didn't need to go on that long it's there's a lot less in terms of like the poverty porn (laughs) <laughs> um, but there is a character who lives in like a trailer park, so there's a little of that with her uh, compared to other like wealthy people. But it kind of gives me some shameless vibes in terms of. Do you remember in Shameless in like season three when uh oh gosh what's the main character's name? Fiona. Fiona. Remember when what? remember when Fiona worked in a nightclub? Yeah. That nightclub that she worked in was the same. Uh, <laughs> it was the same nightclub that was attached to the restaurant uh, when it when Hollywood Pies was in downtown. Oh wow! I worked there when they were filming Shameless. <laughs> Ooh, isn't that trippy? That's fun. I worked. You have sh- all kinds of cool Hollywood Pies stories. Yeah, fucking fuck Hollywood Pies. It's great pizza. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was, I, I actually worked a shift as a bartender there when I was 19 at that same <laughs> bar. Oh, It wow. was illegal as fuck, but the Asian owners didn't care. Anyway. <laughs> Doesn't, I feel like, um, I'm totally forgetting his name now. Um, Ian, I feel like he works as like a bartender underage, Ian. maybe at that same oh. nightclub or... <laughs> Wouldn't be but surprised. it's like, yeah, he's definitely doing more. That kid's so cool. I love that actor. I can't think of his name yeah. right now. He's also on Gotham. Is that still around? I've never seen it. He plays the Joker on Gotham. Young Joker. <laughs> I could see that. But he's. I've also seen him on, like, he's on Funhouse. And he was on Funhouse a couple of times and stuff like that on YouTube. Yeah. That kid's great. A lot of people go on Funhouse, don't they? Like, not super popular actors, but... Yeah, they get, you know, they get some folks <laughs> yeah. living in L.A. Any other shows you want to talk about? What do you think? I don't think so. I went so hard on on sex education this week that I really haven't had time That's for... your jam right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm always reading a million books, but I don't even have anything major to... <laughs> that stands out right now anyway, so... Oh yeah. So yeah, I guess we can we can call it quits on the after the bells. Is that what we're calling this? <laughs> yeah, let's call it the after the bells. I like this as a little wrap up. Have you ever mistreated anybody? Yeah, I like.